Welcome to the Produce Industry Podcast, your weekly download on current events, trends, market reports, and community discussions. Join us each week from Tampa, Florida, as we cover all aspects of the produce supply chain industry. Ladies and gentlemen, here's your host, Patrick Kelly. Welcome back to the Produce Industry Podcast, everyone. I'm your host, Patrick Kelly. As always, I am honored to be here coming to you live from Tampa, Florida. Now, today, we have our choice partner that is going to help kick off this episode with Belmar Inc., Matt DeBoer, the Senior Vice President of Sales at Ag Tools. Now, before we get Matt on the line to introduce Belmar Inc., we do have Jason Vandaloo, the Director of Business Development and Technical Services, Dr. Niraj Sharma, who is the Director of Customer Development, or as I would like to call, Dr. Raj. As Dr. Raj and I met at the United Fresh Virtual Showcase and have started a new relationship. So we're going to hear more about Belmark Inc. today. But first, let's get Matt online to introduce Ag Tools and Belmark Inc. Hey, welcome, Matt. Thanks, Patrick. Nice to be here. Hey, it's always great to have Ag Tools, our choice partner, on the line. And you know what? With everything going on in this COVID 19 uh, pandemic, we're going to hear, we're here to talk about data. We're here to talk about insights for a little bit today. And before we get started with our show, I, I know Matt, you and I have talked a little bit off the mic uh, ever since we started this uh, new partnership uh, between Ag Tools and the Produce Industry Podcast. Um, one about a lot of the stories about uh, being involved with Ag Tools and how cool it is, uh, but also about why the industry uh, needs this and why it's so important to have data and insights within our industry. Yeah, it's, uh, well, first of all, thanks for having me. And, uh, you know, we're excited to be a partner with you. I think the industry is, is in need of shows like yours and, and, and we're extremely uh, happy to be a part of it. Um, but in, in regards to the industry and, and data, you know, I was, uh, I joined the produce industry back in, in 1994 and was with them in the industry for, you know, almost 15 years before leaving. And uh, I had the opportunity to go into other industries. And then when I came back in 2019, I was, uh, my eyes were kind of open to the, the fact that nothing really had changed. I mean, there were different things and, and, and you know, obviously some new inventions and, and ways to go about business, but the, the use of data was still lacking as compared to other industries that I had been in. And, you know, it was really surprising to me that uh, uh, we hadn't really evolved as an industry. And, you know, we've been successful for, for years and years because, you know, of all the produce veterans and, and from the growers to the retailers that we've had. But, uh, you know, the fact that we haven't utilized data to its full, full extent was, was pretty surprising to me. You know, what's crazy is that even myself, right? I don't use data to the full extent. I've done uh, one or two trainings with uh, Martha and Paola um, mm -hmm. on the actual sites. And it was so funny because it's like, I thought I was using it the right way. And as Martha is explaining some of the, um, the tools to me, right? You know, the drop down menus, the hamburger menu, you know, where to find, you know, the different imports. Um, I was like, wait a minute, well, how do I do this? And she's like, oh, well, you go here and you click save. And I was like, mm, okay, <laughs> nope, got it, nope, got it. And she's like, what? I was like, that wasn't a common sense uh, place to click that I would have thought of. And now it's like my screen is turning into all these saved modules, which I think, like I said, I didn't even use the data insights that I had from your platform. So I know that within the industry that we're not using it enough, right? 
Right, absolutely. And, you know, having been in the industry for a while, this is the type of data that I, I really wish I, I would have had access to when I was either on the supply side or when I had the opportunity to uh, be a buyer for a short period of time or fill in for buyers. Uh, you know, if, if I would have had access to this, uh, it would have given me the opportunity to make better decisions and faster decisions. And, and the one thing about this industry is uh, from, from growers to shippers to buyers to, you know, food service across, across the industry, it's a very reactive business where we're putting out fires constantly. And we, you know, we wish we would have had 24 hours notice on something so we could have had it, had time to react and be a little bit more proactive. And that's really what this tool is all about, is providing visibility to the supply chain and kind of those gray areas from the farmers to the retailers, uh, you know, and throughout that they can have access to data and be more proactive in their day-to-day -day business to make better decisions, better fact-based decisions that, you know, ultimately provide uh, increased sales and margin and you know, hopefully eliminate food waste, which is another big initiative of ours. Oh, 100%. And a lot of the big companies that are out there are all using data analytics, uh, whether it's trade mining data, um, however they're buying it, but all the large organizations are using it. I've seen it when I was in my world of corporate, we were required to use it, Matt. And you and I have talked out my, uh, off mic of the places that I've worked, but it was interesting because coming from a grower, packer, shipper mentality, which I've worked in, there were no data insights. It was, hey, get the grower uh, manager out to the fields, have him check size, have him bring his ring, size rings, his refractometer. I mean, this was the, you know, a 50 to $75,000 a year job um, that was somebody, right? right? And this person would bring back all those, um, I would say data and insights, but it was really on a yellow note paper, right? You remember that. I mean, they oh, came yeah. back on the yellow legal pad and were like, all right, we got uh, 16 acres of 72s, you know, this minute. And you'd be like, yeah. okay, okay, now go enter that into an Excel. And that's how it worked. I mean, oh, yeah, post-it post yeah. notes and Excel spreadsheets. It still works happened. like that in some, in some offices across the nation, though. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, the only thing that had changed in, in the years that I'd gone, that I'd been away is really the, uh, the, the year of, of Excel that was being used, you know, the upgrades in Excel because everybody's still using it. And, it, and it's amazing to me that we're negotiating millions of dollars of contracts on Excel spreadsheets, you know, and, and I think making these decisions. Yeah. That, that, uh, you know, I've said often that, that while we're in, in, in a successful industry, We've been able to do it on, on an 80-20 rule, 80% uh, gut and 20% data. And, you know, the thing that, that, like that. Boggles, boggles my mind is if we can just flip that or start to flip that and, and change that equation, just think how successful we could be as an industry. You know, so that's, that's what's exciting to me about utilizing data. And, and I think if you asked, and, and you can see polls all over the place, it, and it's all the same thing, everybody wants information. You know, data is the new currency. It's 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 the it's more valuable than oil and gas and gold and silver. You know, so it's uh, if you don't have it, you fall behind. But if you do have it, you have to know how to use it, and you have to have the time to use it. I mean, you take a look at uh, a buyer at retail level, for instance. How long does it take them to get informed? Say they're buying avocados. How long does it take them to get informed on you know their commodity come Monday morning? Oh, and and, so and who are they? Yeah, and exactly. How many SKUs? And, and how many SKUs? exactly? They have fifteen. And then who are they relying to get the data from? You know, from yeah. shippers and growers. Not saying, not saying, of course, that the shippers and growers don't always tell the truth. But in the instance that 
you know, it, it might be a little bit different information than what's actually out there. You know, and this we tool know provides how it a, is. We know how it <laughs> exactly. is. We've been in this industry. Exactly. As I always tell everybody, a price sheet is a price sheet, but an invoice right. is the invoice. Like, you know what yeah. I mean? I've never Absolutely. seen anybody go to, go to PACA or go, go to a, a claim in court and say, yeah, but the price sheet said, but I, but what did the invoice say? What would you actually pay for that product? Right, so right, I, I right. do agree. But again, I do know that, you know, that's the problem, you know, with some of the data is they don't trust it. But at the end of the day, you know, when I was talking to Martha on the line, your system, you know, pretty much comprises with uh, what, uh, 50 tools that collect this data. So you're just not getting it from one source, you're getting it from right. 50 sources. That's gotta say a lot. Yeah, we're actually, we, we've uh, accumulated over 130 million uh, data points that cover 27 years right now, and, and that continues to grow. And so, you know, obviously uh, a lot of people get some information from the USDA, but we get the information from the people that provide it to the USDA and, and to other, you know, in other areas. So we're combining all of this data um, to create you know, real time as, 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 as close to real time as possible data that has been cleaned and scrubbed and, and, you know, is usable data because garbage in is garbage out. And, and so it doesn't do much just to collect data and spit it out. We need, you know, we use uh, scientists up in, in Washington that have a background in agriculture, you know, and so it, it's, it's really a well thought out company and a well thought out system. And, you know, I'm, I'm very excited about where we're going and, and, the tools that we're providing and, and the things that we're working on that we haven't even launched yet. You know, and it's going to be fun to watch this because as I start using the tool, like I was telling you is that there's things that I'm starting to learn. And again, it's not that we're not all smart. It's just everybody looks at the common sense, uh, you know, scenarios a little bit differently, right? You know, mm -hmm. when someone reads left to right, right. Versus going and reading right to left. I know that seems odd, but we also are in an industry that's multicultural, right? You know, mm -hmm. multicultural. So we have a lot of different um, countries here. So as you look at it, I looked at the tool. It's like when you see your, um, your name on the right-hand side, right? Where you're setting, yep. that's where I start. So as Martha, you know, she, she pointed out, she goes, you didn't even see the hamburger tool all the way on the left because you were so focused on the right. And when you went down, you just started filtering all your stuff from the right down going, you know, vertical. Think about it. Mm -hmm. you can do that within the tool. So, and then myself, as I started getting more training, I'm like, all right, now I know how to use the tool. Now I can actually uh, save the JPEGs, right? Now I could use these tools to inform now my grower partners, right? I'm in Citrus, so I'm able to be like, hey, here's weather reports. Um, here's what's going on within, you know, Chile for imports or Argentina. Right. And then you can actually plug and play. And I started to realize like there were things that I didn't even know. And that's the point of this. There's so much data that's out there. One person doesn't know everything. Yeah, and, and that's a good and bad thing when you, when you look at it from a standpoint of, you know, we know everybody is stressed for time. So if they're thinking, oh boy, another thing that I need to use and, and, and learn how to use and, and do all these things, you know, it, I don't have the time to do it. But the thing that I love about the system is it, it learns as you go. And so it creates reports for you that, you, that it knows that, it, that you're looking for. You know, so you can set these things up. And then even if you don't have time to use it, what we're rolling out right now is uh, buyer commodity reports. So say you want to get a report on, on pineapple every Monday. That'll show you the volume by region, year to date, you know, historic. All the things that you need to know from shipping FOB to terminal pricing to, 
uh, freight rates and, and any news or weather patterns and things like that, that'll be delivered to your desk at, you know, first thing in the morning. So you can sit there and, and get updated on your commodity you know, within 10, 15 minutes. That would normally take you a couple hours. So when you're going into your meetings and things like that, you can talk intelligently about what's going on. I agree. I agree. And I do think that, listen, with the change that everyone's going through, I think that data and insights should be part of that change. And I know you said that, you know, it's, it's good and bad, but guess what? You're having to learn so much during this COVID-19 uh, pandemic <laughs> and this era, you know, put something on the list that, you know, knowledge is power. This is all knowledge here. So if you put this on your list to learn, regardless of, you know, the mindset that you're in, this is going to be a good tool for you to move forward. And then when you look back, you'll start being able to compare years, one through data and insights and through experience through what you've had in the past. So now you're combining two levels of experience or actually, I'm sorry, hundreds of levels of experience because <laughs> all of these levels come from different people, different companies, different organizations that are right. feeding correct information in here. So I, I, I love it, Matt. I love what Ag's, Ag Tools is doing. Again, I really appreciate um, your entire community and organization being a partner of the Produce Industry Podcast. And let's welcome our guest today. Thanks, Patrick, for the partnership. Let's get our guests on the line. Hey, Dr. Raj. Hey, Jason. Welcome to the show today. Hey, thank you very much, Patrick. Great to meet you again. Patrick, thank you for the time today. I know. Awesome. And Dr. Raj, great to have you back on. As you know, uh, to all of our listeners, or if you do not know, Dr. Raj and I met at the United Fresh virtual showcase, and he and Bellmark uh, did a small little, I would say, interview uh, on the episode. So if you haven't heard it, go back to some of the United Fresh episodes, check out Bellmark, check out some of the things that they're doing. But more importantly, we're going to get a better glimpse of what Bellmark is doing within the produce and supply chain industry. And guys, what's interesting to me is as we connected, I've been doing more research, right? So uh, I'm looking at Bellmark and you guys have a very unique way of being part of the produce industry, which I like because I think it's all about value and how you position yourself within the produce and supply chain industry. So Dr. Raj, you know, talk to me about really, you know, how you guys approach the produce and supply industry. Well, Patrick, that's a pretty uh, straightforward uh, approach for us. Uh, since like, since uh, about two years ago, Bellmark invested in a proprietary technology and uh, we have a team of uh, 50 plus salespeople around the country. And I'm a uh, uh, liaison between uh, our sales uh, group and the technical team led by Jason, who is here on the call here. And uh, what we do is we reach out to customers. We, uh, we talk about our technology how we are using scientific approach rather than a cookie cutter approach. We take science, we are like fresh doctors. We try to understand uh, each produce as a different produce, uh, not each produce is created equal. So we want to talk about how each produce might take oxygen differently, how it might release the CO2 differently. So uh, we want to customize the package based on the produce. It's not like uh, someone selling packaging okay, one package meets everything. That is not how Bellmark wants to approach. We want to go to the grassroots level, understand customer's problem. Sometimes it may be just their shelf life issue. Sometimes it could be, 
hey, you know what, uh, somehow we are not able to maintain our supply chain temperature. What can we do? So we take all the data. We really like doctor, we ask all the questions, all the symptoms, and then we take our approach, uh, understanding on the scientific level. And with the technology investment that Wellmark did uh, about uh, almost two years ago, we are able to exactly study the produce in our lab in Wisconsin, uh, then use our proprietary technology to determine what, it, what oxygen should be in the package to maintain it for the longest time without deteriorating quality. So that's how we are approaching uh, produce, one produce at a time, one customer at a time. We don't want to uh, just uh, be going after every company and say, hey, this is what we do, no. We want to really understand produce as a customer with their problems and then address their issues one at a time. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's a great idea. And as we talked off the mic, there was a lot of customers that we will not mention on the mic, but that you told me that you kind of worked with or through. And what I mean by that, I asked you, hey, do you know this company? You were like, oh, we work with them. And I thought that was very cool because look, there might be companies out there that might not know who Bellmark is, okay? So Bellmark, again, now Jason, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask you a question because as we were talking, I mean, Bellmark's a 42-year-old privately held company that we spoke about. And that's insane, right? I mean, because one, with the produce and supply chain industry, we'd love to see these longstanding, multi-generational farms. So to see now Bellmark doing something for so long, integrated within our industry, it makes me feel good, it does. So, you know, what's cool about that is, you've had to have some type of trends, some types of, you know, how it's working for you or emerging markets. So Jason, can we talk about some of those trends and, you know, maybe how Bellmark prepared themselves for some of these emerging trends? Absolutely, Patrick. So, you know, trends are exactly that. It's what do we see over the course of time and what are some influences that we see out there that could have any number of drivers. Uh, most importantly, it's going to be what is going to drive the consumer to purchase and then repeat the purchase of your fresh products. Um, you know, and, and some of the trends that, that we have directly followed and understand the impact from a packaging standpoint is really around some, some movement more recently of, of buying local. There's quite a bit of uh, desire by consumers to try and source their foods locally rather than, than purchasing food that uh, maybe ship from a, a long distance. So much of this has been addressed with some um, indoor growing technologies that continue to pop up across the nation. Um, that speaks to the whole fresh equation. And if you can buy it, uh, that literally may have been only harvested two days ago and already in your retail center uh, versus something that may have already experienced two, like, two weeks in, in transit or on, in a shelf life environment. Uh, that, that has been an absolute uh, change that we've seen emerging that competes with some of the more localized growing regions that have historically serviced our fresh industry. Um, we also, as we kind of look to that indoor growing model, uh, continue to try and understand how we can extend shelf life. So the whole concept of trying to mitigate food waste, which is just, it's a global problem. And, and when we look at that, you know, the average family of four in the United States will throw away up to $1,600 a year in fresh produce that has just aged out in the fridge. Um, That's what I was going to ask. Was that on the consumer side or the producing side? And you named it. It's on the consumer yeah. side. And 
and, and Jason, that's what's crazy is like last night, I cut up some tomatoes and onions. I mean, every night I've got staple items in my fridge. And as we leave them out, right, if you still have a half a tomato left, do you save the, the, the small little tiny portion of the chopped up tomatoes or do you just throw those away? So I, I agree with you. It's like there is. And to hear $1,600, I mean, I think it would be more, to be honest with you, right? And that's just fresh. I mean, it, you look at all the other food types in your fridge that, that may be subject to that same consideration. Is it, is it good or is it not? Should I eat it? Should I throw it out? But the, uh, you know, to, to, so to speak to that directly, you know, looking at different convenient ways to pack out product, to put it more in a portion format that makes sense for the consumer, to again, mitigate the waste uh, factor. But then also, as Raj had mentioned, some of the exclusive technology that we have uh, really looks at trying to add the capabilities around extending shelf life and enhancing product quality so that, you know, even if we can get an extra day or two in the lifespan of fresh products, that could be immense. In some cases, depending on the fresh produce type, we're seeing well, well beyond a day or two. It could be a week, uh, but it's very, uh, you know, very impactful as it relates to the distribution range that you can distribute your product if you can get more time in the pack time on the shelf, the quality of that product as to how it looks on the shelf, and then ultimately as it translates to the consumer once it's home with them and in their fridge. Um, the era that we live in with this whole, you know, coronavirus and COVID-19 uh, impact, you know, we, this is probably more of a recent trend, but it actually kind of uh, employs the interest by consumers to incorporate more packaging. And whether that just be rather than going to the store bin and you know, purchasing six apples and putting it in your own bag, those six apples are already in a package. Not only is that convenient to just grab and go, but it also creates the perception of a protected product uh, rather, rather than having it be in an open bin. Uh, in some cases, we've seen actually just the opposite, where, they, uh, where there's a, an, an interest by the consumer to actually purchase prepackaged fresh produce. Um, with regards to the sustainability side of things, that's being driven not only by major retailers, but by consumer perception. And in some cases, it's even being driven by a legislative movement that's underway. And this is on a state-by-state -state basis. And in many cases, the, the legislative interest is to try and propel or propagate more recyclable packaging. And the more recyclable it can be, the more attractive it will be to um, the retailer to, to confine, conform with, with the state mandates. And that being said, uh, we've seen a move more toward open top trays in rigid pack, polyester type trays with lidding film. And that's something that has been dominated pretty, pretty heavily in Europe. And we see it coming more and more so to the United States. And as it relates to um, re replacing clamshells in many cases, um, the lidding film can actually reduce your plastic footprint by 30 to 40% and you can incorporate a post-consumer recycle content in the tray. So we see more and more packaging formats moving to a more recyclable platform with plastic waste reduction uh, with linear film solutions. You know, it's interesting too, Jason, you talk about that, about recycling these products because I'm in the citrus industry, as uh, you guys know, and we talked about those mesh header bags yesterday. Uh, we yeah. talked about some of the other bags that we use within the industry. And then you were like, hey, have you ever seen these bags? We print, you know, this on them. And this is what we do to help this. And it, it was interesting because you wouldn't think that some of these bags or some of these products are helping 
sustain the product life as well. Even during uh, PMA Food Service Delivered Conference um, in July, they talked about you know some of the programs, these new technologies that are coming out to help, like avocados. I don't know if you saw the Avo last uh, program, but they're coming out with all these new things for extended shelf life. And I don't say all these new things, but companies are getting more creative, just like you guys, um, with your shelf life extension, with optimal yeah. packaging. And that kind of brings me to my next question. I'm going to throw this one at Dr. Raj because him and I have talked about this. So if you think about the design of optimum packaging, and yep, I did air quotes just now. You can't see me. But if you look at like optimum packaging, how did you figure out how to design this optimum packaging, Dr. Raj? So again, Patrick, this is a good question. And uh, what we take, our approach is very simple. Uh, we will work with our uh, interested uh, cust- uh, parties who are looking to help, get help from us. We will ask them to really talk about their produce first and even ship us some fresh produce overnight. And we have our specifications and recommendations how to pack that produce and uh, send it and coordinate it with our uh, team. So we get the produce right away, with the, which is overnight. Uh, once we get the produce, we first test it in, turn, uh, with our, in our labs in Wisconsin. And uh, this testing facility is kind of unique in the sense that while bigger produce companies might have the similar testing available to them, many small to mid-sized producers, they really don't have that, they don't understand that. So we can bridge that gap. So we get the produce to our testing facilities in Wisconsin near Green Bay. We test them and we, repl- we do a couple of replicates, three replicates to make sure we have consistent data. And that data we are looking for is how the, each of the produce is breathing uh, and how, again, same thing, I'm not going too technical, but we need to understand its oxygen intake and CO2 uh, uh, egress, how much CO2 is released and how much oxygen is being taken. While it is a function of temperature and variety and seasonal changes, all those things, we can do that testing basically instantly within a day. Uh, and once we do that testing, we use our proprietary software in, by which we will calculate exactly how much oxygen should be allowed to go into the package. It is all about balancing oxygen concentration in the package. So using our mathematical tools and software, we will determine after the respiration is done, hey, how, uh, what kind of oxygen permeation should be optimum? And that is the key to really extending shelf life. So we do that. And once we do that, then we uh, deploy our uh, closed loop laser technology uh, that only we have in North America on a commercial basis. Uh, and we then deploy that and uh, produce that film or a top seal that Jason talked about, or, or even a flat film or a pre-made bag, whatever it is, we will then uh, create that speci- very specialized uh, uh, laser hole. Uh, generally, it is used as microperf uh, in the industry. It's not a hole, you cannot see it, it is micro, so nobody can see that. But we have the closed loop technology by which we will quantify and we will exactly show the report to our customer. Hey, if this is what we found based on the produce you sent to us, this is how the oxygen should be there. This is the size of the hole. These are so many, uh, the micro parts. And nobody can do that in the industry. People are just taking a shotgun approach. Okay, you wanted this uh, laser micro part, we did it. But they do not have the tool to quantify that. Did you really achieve what you said you will achieve? Did you really, are you able to show us where the holes are and how many holes? Did you really get the hole through 
or it was just a elliptical uh, something looks like that but there is no hole and that is why many produce would go bad before their time because the the uh, oxygen permeation and control of oxygen is not being managed so we do that and once we do that we will then send sample uh, film or sample bags to the customer so they can test their control bags and our test film with our treatment and they will then prove themselves and this is what we have seen already in the industry with some of the commodities like uh, hikama jackfruit uh, even sliced lemons that we have been working with um, and different companies and they just see wow you know they went from 5 days to 17 days that's the trick and that's how we optimize the packaging the other element to this patrick is is about use of right amount of plastic and i know um, i personally disagree with a lot of people bashing uh, plastic but right amount of plastic is actually good for the produce industry because it will enhance the shelf life it will prevent the produce from going wasted like uh, just to share the data with you and once the produce is dumped into landfill what it is doing it is actually releasing greenhouse gases which are even more uh, bad for the environment than just plastic in the landfill uh, laying down there so if you use the optimum plastic and do all the work that we just explained by measuring the oxygen and making sure the package is built to allow the right amount of oxygen and egress the right amount of co2 that is the trick and that's how we extend the shelf life as we mentioned with the with our proven uh, produce uh, work, produce work or with the jackfruit with hikama with sliced lemons and so on and so forth including even spring greens so that's how oh. we call our optimum packaging and that is how we do it i love it i think it's great i think it's a good way to design your value around uh, the company and how you guys really project yourself into the industry again a lot of people when it comes to uh, food waste with shelf life, everybody's trying to figure out how to extend a berry, an avocado, a melon, everything, because as Jason said, the food waste. So I think that's a, a great, great way to explain your optimum packaging. And this also gives us a perfect segue uh, to hear from some of our partners for the podcast. And, and one more thing I will add to that. And this testing that I described to you, when we get the produce uh, shipped to us by our interested customer, this testing, uh, if someone has to do, it can cost them anywhere from $2,000 to maybe five, six, $7,000. And that is a cost that we don't charge. In the interest of building relationship with the produce industry, with our customers, we offer this service for free, which is, which is a huge savings for a lot of producer uh, uh, growers and packers because they don't they don't want to spend the money without seeing the results so we actually demonstrate our performance through these testing and we can do maybe three replicates and and run it second time third time as long as the customer is seriously interested in working with us Welcome to Terra Exports, a fast-paced, entrepreneurial, and innovative, multinational fresh produce company with eight divisions worldwide that handle fruits and vegetables across 65 countries. Did you know that Terra Exports was featured three times in Inc. 5000's fastest-growing companies? Terra Exports starts at the ground, literally, with the growth of the product at the farm all the way through distribution channels up into the end user. They take pride in their products, arriving fresh and damage-free, and 
They're there every step of the way, working alongside suppliers and customers who share in their common goal. Visit Terra Exports at www.terraexports.com as well as following them on social media on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. If you get on their website, you can also check their availability calendars and all of the produce that they have in store. When you join Terra Exports, you become a member of their global team of thinkers, innovators, dreamers, and doers who are bringing a fresh approach to the produce and supply chain industry. So reach out to Terra Exports today at terraexports.com. It's always good to hear from our partners, Terra Exports, but let's get back to Belmark Inc. Welcome back to the Produce Industry Podcast, everyone. It's always great to hear from some of our partners on the podcast, but let's get back to Belmark with Dr. Raj and Jason. So guys, listen, I've had a great talk so far. I love hearing about what Belmark's doing for the industry in their unique way of providing value to the produce industry. So let's talk more about sustainable packaging though. As I've been doing a lot of research on you guys and learning more about Belmark, sustainable packaging is a big mark for you guys. And you guys have some cool sustainable packing solutions for the fresh produce industry. So Jason, as we look at some of these applications, these films, you know, some of the things that you guys offer uh, to the customers, right, that would be in our industry, Overall, I believe this would also help the consumer at the end who's buying the product. So can you just talk a little bit about what are your sustainable packaging solutions for the industry that kind of incorporates from that farm to table aspect? Absolutely. So, you know, the ultimate impact is going to be in the interest of a a good end of life scenario for the package. But before that even starts, when you look at the product, we keep talking about all of this technology and, and the technical details around, you know, how Belmark is different and how we're approaching the industry with science and technology. But really the technology that's there is to try to understand the optimal conditions upon which we are taking a fresh product, which is a living organism, and putting it into a package and creating a package that's going to create the proper environment for that living organism to stay alive as long as it possibly can. And then through the converting process and making that package, Belmark has quality controls unto which to ensure we are delivering exactly what that optimal packaging looks like. So, you know, the, the, the impact on sustainability isn't only the product solutions on the packaging side. It really starts with trying to sustainably and properly design the package to, again, mitigate food waste, enhance product quality, and extend the shelf life as long as we possibly can. And that's got all types of ancillary benefits, not only in the categories of sustainability, but in regards to the total cost spectrum as it relates to the product delivery to market, the consumer experience, and trying to entice the repeat purchase because it was a good experience for that uh, consumer because of the fact that the product has, is so fresh and, and, and so forth. Um, when we move to the packaging side of that equation in terms of what can we deliver, um, really, you know, Raj had indicated it, it is the balance and using the right amount of packaging solution to the need. And I had already alluded to the fact that open top trays with lidding to replace clamshells is absolutely a trend that we see. Again, you know, we can say 
by incorporating a, a post-consumer recycled content tray with a linen film, you're reducing your plastic footprint by 30 to 40%. All of that can then be translated into environmental impact, you know, greenhouse gas emission reduction. How many cars does that translate to in terms of removing from the ro ro road each year? Um, energy savings, how does that translate to how many U.S. homes could be powered a year? Uh, water savings, plastic savings, that are petroleum based, all of those things can be quantified. Um, along those same lines, clamshell packaging is relevant and it is a solid packaging solution for certain products. And in the event of that being the, the either the desire or need for the product or brand, Belmark has a uh, label technology that employs an adhesive that can easily wash away in the recycle process. One of the biggest issues that are encountered by different municipality recycling centers is that PET is a highly desirable plastic for recycling. There's a very good monetized demand for it. It can be refurbed into other packaging. It can be refurbed into uh, textiles, uh, garments, carpets, a lot of things that downstream have recycled polyester content. What happens with the label because of the adhesive, it actually starts to contaminate or gum up the recycling process as the plastic becomes reprocessed. So the label technology we have actually, once it goes into the sorting process, it goes into the wash bath before the polyester is chipped, the label will cleanly remove in that, in that bath process. And that way they can skim that off and what they have remaining is pure polyester. It doesn't pollute the uh, recycle stream or contaminate the resin. So that's a label solution that we have. Um, Belmark has a, a product category within our flexible packaging area that we call Mindful Solutions. And Mind, Mindful Solutions actually has two different offerings. One, both of them on the flexible packaging side. One actually incorporates post-consumer recycle content plastic back into the flexible package, whether it be roll stock to be formed on you know, the, the customer's packaging lines, or we can make a pre-made bag that actually has recycled materials that have gone through the entire life cycle, have been recycled by the consumer and then re-pulled into creating brand new packaging from it. That's called True Impact. Again, the advantage there is that you as the brand are making a responsible sourcing decision on sourcing packaging that's coming from reused materials. It's 100% FDA compliant, all good for food. Uh, but you're basically taking that impact statement right out of the gates with a sourcing decision rather than relying on your consumer to do something favorable. The other option that we have is called EcoReady. And EcoReady is a single resin type package that actually can be recycled. It's flexible packaging that can be recycled. And today the infrastructure is not there for curbside collection, but the consumer can take it to a store at designated drop-off centers for EcoReady to be recycled through the How-To Recycling Program. Very similar to how you can drop off your grocery bags, plastic grocery bags. Um, so those are the two categories, True Impact EcoReady, um, that you know is, is readily there for the end of life scenario. Um, the other thing that we're rounding out development on. And this, you know, this will probably be a, a Q4, quarter four type delivery, but we're in the process right now of, of working with some developmental partners on a new um, 
bio-derived, it's plant-based plastic that will uh, be targeted for vertical form fill pillow packs, like, you know, pillow bags, uh, or uh, pre-made bags for, for liner applications for, for case packing that has extremely attractive transmission properties. And when I say that, it allows a very good exchange of moisture and CO2 so that it enhances the shelf life and the product quality through the distribution cycle. Um, we can further enhance that breathability of the material with Bellmark's Fresh technology, which is the laser perforations. But it's a film that can offer some really neat attributes in terms of the, uh, the shelf life enhancement. Uh, but then even better, the end of life scenario of that film is it's 100% compostable. And it has been tested and proven per uh, European standards to be both home as well as industrial compostable. So that creates a new spin on the end of life in addition to mitigating food waste. So those are just a couple of the things that we've got going on in the product category. But again, look at the total holistic impact of food waste mitigation and then combined with optimal packaging solutions. You know, it's, it's, it's pretty cool though, as I was looking at some of the, uh, I'm, like I said, we pack fruit, we pack citrus in California. A lot of it is the he mesh header bags, um, the vinyl bags, and then you have the cardboard boxes. I mean, everything in our world is a lot of paper packaging. I mean, you've got all the big triwall companies out there. You've got all the big box companies out there that are pushing, right? Pushing cardboard. And obviously it is recyclable. Um, but many, many packers that um, I guess are used to using paper, they are still using RPCs. Um, they're still using their normal uh, plastic bins as well to collect the fruit. And you guys have probably seen that in the field. There's still a lot of plastic. And I would say cardboard packaging uh, within our industry. And I know that uh, the packaging alone for paperboard, right, is a great solution for recyclability. Dr. Raj, I know that uh, we've had plenty of conversation about how paperboard packaging um, is not really the solution for fresh produce, but there is a right solution. And, you know, could you give me a little insight? Because listen, as Jason was talking, there are things that he said that I just don't know. You're looking at GHG emissions. You're looking at all these different things, you know, the ratios. Some of these things are foreign to me. So as I'm a, a citrus packer in California, how would you go about explaining this about the paper packaging, eliminating plastics? And, you know, are we saying that it's not good for the environment? I mean, because look, look, I'm confused at this point. How would this help me and my organization? No, Patrick, that's a great question. And not only you, I think there is a whole debate going on. And uh, it, is, it is the whole discussion between the retailers driving asking their uh, uh, produce growers to reduce plastic. I think we need a national consensus of where we should go. So paperboard as a packaging material is 100% recyclable. It is made from trees, it is renewable. So there is no, nothing bad about that. However, when used as a package for produce, it is not the right thing. Again, I said, not all packaging is created equal, not all produce are created equal. Every produce, so produce is a, like Jason said, it's a living thing, it's a, it is breathing, it, is, it has moisture. Now just imagine you buying any fruit, I'm not picking any fruit, I'm not against any other company that is using paperboard, but imagine any fruit being packaged in a paperboard versus a plastic bag with the right technology that we discussed. 
which one would you prefer when you see them lying on the shelf? What would you see? You might see uh, shriveling or wilting on some fruits if it is in a paper board or it is not being kept in the right atmosphere, which I said, the amount of right concentration of oxygen in the package is the key because every produce breathes differently. It has to be customized for that. So it is a great option to package, say you want to pack uh, uh, breakfast cereal, which is perfect packaging for that and a great option for recyclability and renewability and everything. But for produce, a paperboard packaging does not solve, uh, does not check mark everything. It check marks the recyclability, it checks mark sustainability, it does not check mark the produce uh, protection. So the question that I will ask to the, uh, my, my colleagues in the produce industry and who especially to the produce growers and packers, are you selling a high quality produce to the retailers or you are selling packaging to the producer? That is their decision. And I also understand they are under pressure from the retailers that they need to cut plastic. I think we need holistic solutions and holistic discussions and debate between the balance between science and sustainability what is good for the environment? Like Jason said, we look at holistically, but many people are just looking at packaging. Okay, this packaging plastic is not good, which is not good for overall what we are doing for the industry. On the one hand, we are trying to avoid uh, food waste reduction. On the second hand, we are trying to say, do not use plastic. These do not go together. It's like water and oil, they will never mix. If we need to have a high quality produce uh, given to, uh, and they should last longer, uh, then we need to think outside of paperboard, outside of even netted bag. They're all good containers to carry and they're made of recycled plastic or in this case made from trees. These are good packaging options, but not for produce. That is the point I'm, I'm trying to make. And I, well, it, make, it makes sense. I mean, it's a good point to make. I mean, listen, as I, as I start to you know, ask some of these questions, it's just because I'm curious now to understand you know, are we doing the right thing? Are we being eco-friendly? Are we uh, managing our sustainability, our social responsibility? You know, all those things come into my head. So it, it's, it's interesting to me because there's a lot of things that Bellmark offers that I can tell you just over the last 20 minutes of being on the call, I've learned a lot more just from you guys and just from researching on your website, it, it's enhanced a lot more. So as we start to look at this, I mean, obviously, Belmar's got a lot going on, a lot going on, right? So there's also some other packaging uh, that we haven't mentioned that I know Belmar does. Um, so, you know, Jason, this is, this is kind of what I'd like to do because I think that it's important that we do this. Let, let's sum up Belmar for our listeners today. Give them a hint of why we could, could you know, consider even buying from Belmar, Belmar or how we can be um, an added value service to the industry and I think that'd be a great idea because then it gives our, our listeners a real oversight of Bellmark, what they're doing, and why you guys are adding so much value to the produce industry. Yeah, thanks, Patrick. So, you know, I, the, you know what's important to convey is that Bellmark, you had opened up with acknowledgement to the fact that we're 42 years in business. And really, we're a converting packaging company that has end-to-end -end solutions for our customers across really three major uh, packaging categories. Pressure-sensitive label and tags, paperboard folding carton, and flexible packaging. And again, Raj, you had just asked the question to Raj about paperboard packaging or paper as, as a um, material platform. You know, that 
when we're talking about optimized conditions for maximizing fresh produce life, paperboard doesn't have the barrier properties and so forth to maybe optimize that. But in some applications, it is the right solution. And Belmar can offer that within our paperboard division or even on the label side, incorporating label face stock that is paper based or that is paper that has recycled paper content. Um, but again, pressure sensitive labels and tags, folding carton paperboard and flexible packaging. Within the flexible packaging portfolio, we've got our mindful solutions, we've got lidding film, we've got roll stock, we've got uh, pre-made bags, but all of that's product-based and capability-based. I would say the greatest differentiation beyond the technology and the fact that we're staffed to support small to medium-sized customers with technical expertise is the fact that Belmark was really founded on the premise of speed and service. And the fact that we have gone to market with an intentional plan to remain in an undercapacity situation to take care of our customers' needs. It could be a need to get product to market faster. It could be uh, misforecasting. It could be a change in the harvest schedule, uh, an over-harvest, an under-harvest. Belmar creates an ordering model that allows you to order what you need when you need it. We don't impose any minimum order quantities, no item minimums. So again, ordering what you need, when you need it, and if it becomes an over or under situation, we're very quick to respond to that demand. Our standard lead time is half that of the industry average. And as we see kind of the impact of COVID and some of the economic recessionary impacts, as you know, some of the supply chain constraints are, are being imposed, Belmark, because of our service speed model, have actually experienced some double digit growth because of our ability to step in and take care of those needs by our customers. So we are, we are very focused on the mission of speed and delivery, service, quality, quality through technology and technical support across all of our different package categories. So that's how we hope to help you and really look for a way to align the, the need with the solution. It's a great idea of what you guys are doing. I say idea because this concept has had to start long before 2020. This concept obviously has been going on for a long time uh, within your company. And again, I mean, the full spectrum of what you guys offer, pressure sensitive, sleeves, flexible packaging, film, and more. It, it seems like a lot more people to need, do, need to do their research on Bellmark. Like I can't even talk about my need to do do, but um, yeah, they need to do more research on the companies and understand uh, what the product offerings are. Um, that segues perfect into, listen, if any of our listeners want to get a hold of Bellmark, check out with their website, get in touch with you. Um, Dr. Raj, Jason, how can they get a hold of you? Uh, my quick uh, reach would be call my cell phone directly. I'm always picking the phone. My number is 805-245-7505. And our website is www.bellmark.com. We've got a pretty interactive website. It gives a good overview of our different product capabilities, how we're approaching different markets and supporting that. Jamie Massey is our new customer onboard specialist. So her contact information is all over the website. And then I also, Jason Vandilu, can be, can be reached at 920-336-2848.
Well, Jason, Dr. Raj, I thank you for coming on the show today. Dr. Raj, this is your second time, so we thank you double time. And I appreciate all the knowledge, education, and forward-looking solutions that you brought to the table. So again, thank you for participating in the Produce Industry Podcast today. You've been listening to the Produce Industry Podcast with Patrick Kelly. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or Anchor to get new, fresh weekly episodes. For more, please follow us on Instagram and Facebook at the Produce Industry Podcast. Until next time, see you in the fields or on the horizon.